following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Who is valued? Once again, a question and a statement. By asking the question, we're going to hear the statement from Jesus. And it's going to completely, I would, I would bet, upend some of our assumptions. So this is one of those where it's like if you had seatbelts, I'd ask you to buckle them right now because Jesus is going to, he's going to confront us on some very powerful things that are going to cause us to go, wait, what? I mean, that's what he's doing today. And I want to dive right in because we just need to see it. He says in verses 38 and 39, we're going to put these up on the screen and we're going to zoom in on some key words because we need to see what he's saying to you and to me. He says, you've heard it said that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I mean, you guys have heard this, right? It comes right out of Exodus, comes out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, right? It's three places it's quoted in Scripture. And Jesus is quoting it. But I say to you, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, let's just be honest for a minute. Do we believe him? Because I'm going to guess you're sitting there coming up with all kinds of reasons this shouldn't apply in a variety of circumstances. For example, let's say that there is a, a German tyrant who wants to kill people by putting them in gas chambers and then wants to conquer all of Europe and eventually the world. Should we just lay down and let him do that? Or should we, as we historically did, confront him and destroy him? Here's another example. If, 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 if someone breaks into your home in the middle of the night, you're supposed to say, oh, well, you, know, you hit me on one side. Go ahead and hit me on another. Kill my children. I don't care. Is that what Jesus is calling us to do? And we're sitting there going, well, of course not. But how do we, how do we figure that out? How do we know when this applies and when it doesn't if we're going to make such a claim? If we're going to say there are times and places to not turn the other cheek. You know, if I, as I look out across this room, there's a variety of vocations. Some of us are our parents. Some of us are siblings. Some of us are children. Some of us are bricklayers and ditch diggers and accountants and artists and musicians and warriors. There's warriors in this room. People who were trained to fight and trained to kill. Some of us defend our public by law enforcement and they carry a firearm and we want them to carry a firearm and to use it if necessary. See, how do we navigate this with all those different vocations and situations? What do we do? What does Jesus mean? I think we've, we've established this is a challenge for us. What does he mean? Because the first thing I want us to do is to not delete this from the Bible. Do not fall into that temptation, as many have been fallen, fallen into. Well, he couldn't have meant that. He very much means that. But what, we, what it exposes when we start to think about this is it exposes our, the challenges that we have in here. This, this, the subtitle for our whole message series during this whole time of following Jesus to the cross is it's a matter of the heart. And it was a matter of the heart when he started talking about, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you have nothing to offer, that's who I want to work with. That's, that's who he's after, right? And then he, he starts off, he continues by getting into all of these discussions about adultery and murder. He says, start off with murder. He goes, I tell you, if you even look at a person with anger in your heart, you have murdered them. I tell you the truth, if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. And everybody's like, this is not cool because I can't keep that. I can't follow that. And once again, he is highlighting to us, we cannot follow the law. We cannot do it. 
because we're put in situations where, that are impossible to decide. Tonight at 3 a.m., if someone busts open our front door and decides that they want to hurt my family, what am I to do? What's the preacher man going to do? You know, this is all the religious stereotypes come in. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to crush him. I'm not going to let him hurt my family. And I'm not going to have any, any hesitation knowing that this is true. But how do I make that decision? Take a look at verses 40 to 42. Because Jesus doesn't just do with the cheek, right? He amps it up all the way. And now you guys got to watch. This is MLV. Anytime you see MLV, that's Mark's literal version. I just translated this very simply so we could just get right into it. He says, if someone sues you for your shirt, because a lot of us don't wear tunics, then give, also, give them also your coat. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. If they ask, give to them and do not turn away from them. Who is valued here? See, now we're going to start to see some answers. Who is valued? Notice how the word them is underlined over and over and over again. And I know for the grammarians in the room, we didn't have a number of agreement, but we're okay. And so the idea is them is this him or her that is, that is coming into our life that is doing these things. See, if you see yourself as like, I follow Jesus, but if the neighbor's dog comes onto my lawn and does that thing that that neighbor's dog always does, eventually we're going to court. See, that's not what a follower of Jesus does. A follower of Jesus values that neighbor for who they are and says, okay, still don't like what your dog's doing, but we got to work this out. If someone... Is if someone is coming to us and, 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 and suing for our shirt, and we say, okay, well, you can also have my coat. What we're doing is we're saying, I value them more than my shirt, more than my coat, more than my rights. And then interesting. We're Americans. We have rights, inalienable rights. Huh? See, this is, this is very interesting. If someone forces you to go one mile, let's go a second mile with them because I value them more than this evil that they've done to me. If they ask, if they ask for me stuff, you know, hey, can I, borrow, can I borrow 20 bucks? And you're sitting there like, dude, you're never going to pay that 20 bucks back. Pull it out and give it to them. That's what Jesus is saying to do, because we value them. Who is valued? They are. This is what Jesus is trying to, and again, he doesn't try to do things. What we're trying to learn from him. And, and admittedly, I'm, I'm just sitting here telling you this, and you're like, well, Mark, have you always done that? Of course not. Will I always do that? I, I pray that the Lord will give me the power, and I, we're going to see how he will do that soon. But in reality, the challenge is, is this confronts the reality that if we think that we can follow God's law on our own, we cannot. Let's phrase it this way. We phrased it this way last week. Who's a good person? Yeah, I mean, you guys know good people. You're like, you talk about person this this person over here good guy well that lady she's so good right and we say that because they treat us well that we say that because we see them do good things we have respect for them they are people of honor right we we love them but at the end of the day between us and god what makes us good is not those things that that's great this way between us and our neighbors but how do we apply this take a look at another passage we're going to keep unpacking this Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, he says, You have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that word persecute makes it really un uncomfortable for us because persecute would mean that they're here to harm us. So, 
As humans in this world, what, what we're faced with is the fact that there are really two aspects to our life. There's the aspect before God, and there's the aspect before all of our neighbors. Right? And before God, there's nothing we can do to earn His love. There's nothing we can do to become righteous in His sight. There's nothing we can do because... Let's just be honest. If if I said to you, love your enemies, you're sure you'll be like, sure, Mark, I'll get right on that. I mean, no, no, none of us can honestly say we will love our enemies. I can honestly tell you that I will seek to, that I will pray and cry out to God that He would help me love my enemies, but I cannot do this, and neither can you. So stop thinking that we can, and start trusting in who can do it who has done it. Because think back, think back to what was going on at the cross. It's very interesting. They divided his clothes up. Isn't that interesting? They forced him to go to Golgotha, up the hill. And he was willing to go an extra mile. He said to his enemies who were literally killing him, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. This is who Jesus is. He, is. he is showing to us what the standard is. And He is showing to us who is valued amidst that standard. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Here it is. Let's go ahead and get cut to the chase, right? Jesus goes ahead and He turns the righteousness dial all the way she'll go. Puts that baby to full throttle and says, go ahead and be perfect. Because that's the standard. And just so we're all clear, what kind of, how are we defining perfect? as God the Father is perfect. I mean, he just, you know, just as high as that baby will go, he cranked it. If, you're sta- if you think that you can try to be a good person, please stop. <laughs> please stop. And all of you are like, we went to a church this Sunday where the preacher said, don't be good. Are we really saying that? Well, let's keep going. Actually, what we're saying is be perfect. That's what he's saying. You're saying to me, no, he's saying, Jesus is saying it. So, how do we apply this? How do we do do this? And our example is the Apostle Paul, because he actually said in the text, go ahead and use me as an example. He actually did that. So we're going to do that. We're going to take his advice. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He has these words. We're going to put them up on the screen. Philippians 3, 8 and 9. And he says, I consider my accomplishments. I'm just summarizing his long list, because he gave us a long list. And he, he says, I consider them skubalon. This is a Greek word that begins with the letter S. I'm going to let you interpret what it might mean. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. He literally says, my good works are yucky stuff. Rubbish. I like the NIV. It's a very pleasant rated G translation. But Paul is being salty with his language very much intentionally. He wants us to see that if we think we are good people, that that is scubalon. We'll use his word. That I may, he goes, all of that is worthless. What I want and what I need, what you and I need, is to be found in Christ. Because he's the only human who ever lived that could actually do what he commanded. He was perfect as his heavenly Father is perfect. And when they slapped him and struck him as they were making fun of him and put a crown of thorns on him, he didn't he turned the other cheek. Here. Hit it again. And then when they took his clothes from him, like, well, whatever you're gonna do, do it. 
And then when they took him up one mile, he was willing to go another. All the way up to the cross. And where they nailed him to it. Why did he do that? Did he have anything to prove he was already perfect? He was without sin. Because he loves you and he loves me. Have you ever asked the question, because I was with some friends this week and they, they asked me this question. I thought it was a, it was a fantastic question. Yeah, but like, why did God save the world through Jesus? Like, what's the, what's the point of that? What's the, what's the secret to that? Like, couldn't he have just, you know, done Captain America, Iron Man, Thor? Those guys are awesome, right? We love those Avengers movies, right? It's coming out. Why couldn't he have done it through those guys? He did it through Jesus because he loves you and he loves me. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. You and I, we, start, we studied this earlier in our gathering this morning. We have a disease in us. So, so a lot of people will say to me, okay, preacher man, if God loves the world so much, why doesn't he get rid of the evil? Because it's inside of us. And if he got rid of the evil, he would have to kill all of us. But he chose a way that can save us and get rid of the evil. And he did that by sending someone who didn't have the evil to take all of it upon himself. This is why the Apostle Paul, carried by the Holy Spirit, says, all of that stuff in me is dung. And what I want is to be found in Him because He is the righteous one. He is the one who did what you and I cannot do. Stop trying to think you can do it and put your trust in Him. If someone comes in my house tonight, right before the struggle ensues, I'm going to say, Jesus, I need your help. And in fact, I'll be praying before we ever go to bed tonight, please don't let that happen. And I put my trust in him that he won't. And if the, dog, if the neighbor does come and the dog does do the thing on the lawn, scuba lawns on the lawn, then what are we going to do, right? We're, we're going to put our trust in God and we're going to value that person. And we're going to say, you know, I think he should be, have to pay a fine for that and fix my lawn. But God says I should love him. And I'm struggling in that so I need to be found in Christ so that I can have the ability to, to love Him because I don't. Let's be honest. No games. Just hear the Word of God. And look what he says. I, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Translation, do more, try harder, get better. That's not what this is about. Throw all of it out and put your trust in Jesus. He continues in verse 9. He says, but a righteousness which is through faith in Christ. Faith, guys, now the, the biblical definition that we all love to, to cite, and I think it's good that we can cite it from Hebrews chapter 11, is that faith is the evidence of things unseen. And I think that sounds beautifully and, and beautiful and mystical, and it's very, it doesn't help us very much. I mean, sort of. But I think a more specific, clear way of understanding this is this is the world on God's terms. God says to love your neighbor. To love your enemy. And what happens in faith is I begin to trust Him by His power that He gives to me so that when my enemy hurts me... Oh, by the way, any of your enemies ever hurt you? I'm betting that they did. I'm betting I'm not the only one who's had an enemy or two through my days in this world. And so when the enemies hurt you and you're like, I don't love them, I hate them. They did this to me. They did this to my loved ones. I could tell you the story of when my... My Uncle Dean was murdered. And I can tell you about how much I want to eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and how justice even gives me that right. And yet Jesus says, I want you to love that person who did that. 
I want you to forgive them. I want you to do that because actually that person is the same kind of person you are. We're all broken. And yes, did they do a terrible thing? Yes, but so have you. Yes, were your terrible things not as terrible as their terrible things? Sure, we could, get, we could create a spreadsheet and a matrix and create a ledger like we all do. And Jesus says, that is scubalon. I died for all of you. And I want all of you to receive the gifts, no matter where your history or your past or your failures or your successes, put them in air quotes, whatever those are, they're out. And instead, I give you my righteousness. I give you my righteousness. It's the righteousness that comes from God that is by faith, where we, we accept God's Word on His terms. We accept the world on His terms. Why God? Why this? Why that? I don't know but I'm going to trust Him no matter what happens because I want to be found in Him. And Paul goes on to tell us why we want to be found in Him. Verses 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. That exclamation point was put there by me. His sufferings becoming like Him in His death, and then I shortened it, and also like them in His resurrection. Because at the end of the day, the ultimate problem isn't that the neighbor's dog scubalons on our lawn. It's that the neighbor is going to die, and so are we. Our only answer to the problems of this world is that death would become undone. That the, the scubalon would not be there in the first place. That the problems of this world would be solved ultimately, not temporarily, not temporarily, not partially, but fully, to be resurrected from the dead. God's plan is to make the best of all possible worlds by taking those who have died and bringing them out of the ground. Not that just we would be in the sky in the by and by, but that it would be real and physical and you could, right? And that you can grab a hold of them and hold on tight those people that you love and that you need in your life. He has promised that because of Him, because of Jesus, we have hope in the resurrection. So that when I am faced with the fact that someone, and I take life on God's terms, that my first reaction is not to, <laughs> my left cross is pretty good. I don't know if you knew that. Anyway, so I'm left-handed, so it works that way. But the idea is, is like, no. Yeah. If there's an evil guy on the other side of the world that wants to kill everyone, yeah. The warriors are called to fight him and to stop him, as many of our own have done. And yeah, there will be times when we have to confront evil in its tracks, as we will see in other places in Scripture the evidence of how we go about doing that. But in the meantime, in our daily life, the way we navigate those difficult questions is by looking at Jesus and looking at how He navigated those questions and how He then gives to you and to me newness of life, resurrection life. Not that just will just happen then, but that it starts now. It's not fulfilled now. Let's take a look at this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says it like this by the power of the Spirit. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect. Remember how Jesus said, be perfect? And we're like, yeah, not, not yet. <laughs> he, says, he says, but I press on. 
Because many of us can tell you this, the truth. We sit here and we are incomplete. I could cue the, the, the TFK song, Incomplete, right? Thousand Foot Crutch, Incomplete. Watch it today, you'll understand. It's this powerful song which categorizes, which captures, I should say, this idea that we're in, we're, we're in the not yet. There is the already in terms of what Jesus has done, but we live in the not yet. We don't have it all yet. I have not already been made perfect, but I press on, right? So you get up every day and you put one leg in front of the other and you say, Jesus, I need your help. And you do it again tomorrow and you do it again tomorrow, trusting that through this process, one way or the other, he has a plan. We don't know what it is. And the reason we don't know, because if he told us, we probably wouldn't believe him anyway. We already struggle with what he has told us. We trust Him and we take the world on His terms and we believe that our righteousness does not come from what we do, but what He has done. And we look at what He says. I press on to take hold of that. It's like you're reaching out and saying, Jesus, Jesus. And meanwhile, He's had us the whole time because He already took hold of you and me. Believe that promise. Hear what He says to you and to me. He says it so that we can face the challenges in our life and that when things happen, and when we do experience that in life, that our inclination is to at least cry out to Him before we react. I encourage you and me to continue to pray about that because it's not an easy thing. It never will be. And Paul, who has been literally hanging out with Jesus on places like the road to Damascus and has had surpassing revelations as he writes about elsewhere, still struggles. And, he, and, and Jesus concluded the time when Paul said, Lord, take this struggle from me. Take this thorn from my flesh. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Hear that and let that wash over your heart and mind today as we seek to go out and do good stuff. See, the preacher did say, let's do good stuff. But not because God needs it. Because the people of our world, as we well know, they need it. Love them as He has loved us by His power, not our own. Please pray with me. Father, we cry out to You right now and we ask You to help us in this very, very difficult situation of being confronted with Jesus' command to us to be perfect. That was His command to us. And we look at that immediately and we're like, oh, I can't. And so then we hear the Spirit's words carried to us by the Apostle Paul saying to us, believe, trust, have faith, not in a righteousness of our own, but in yours. Lord, we pray boldly that you would root our hearts in that truth so that we would trust you and see the world on your terms. And that when our neighbors do terrible things, that we, we could react not just as people of the world, but as people of the cross, people of the empty tomb, people who long for the day when Jesus will come back and make all things right, which was his promise all along. As we trust in his mighty name, the name of Jesus, he who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.